All right. Welcome to Election Profit Makers. I'm David. I'm here with Starly. Hello, Starly. Hi. Um, this is going to be a different episode than usual. John is not with us today. Um, both of John's parents have COVID. Um, so we're going to discuss that. I'm going to let you know right now that both of his parents seem to be doing okay. We're recording this Monday morning. His father is still in the uh, intensive care COVID unit at UNC Memorial Hospital in Chapel Hill. John's mom is at home. Um, but things were very, very dicey and scary this past weekend for John and his family. This is the first time I've actually known somebody who's come down with COVID. Is that also the case for you, Starly? I, I, I've known people who had it in those early days, um, right. but not— this is the first time I know someone whose parents have gotten it and are in, and we didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah, in the hospital type of stuff. It's definitely my first scare. Yeah, and scare is the word. I um, think y'all might want to think about staying at home uh, right now and washing your hands because this was a nightmare. I'm just going to talk you guys through the situation somewhat just to give you some context. So. John's parents both actually had COVID when we recorded last week's episode. John did not want to discuss it at that time because so much was unknown. We are recording this episode with John's permission and actually with John's encouragement. He said, I think you guys should talk about it. If it helps a couple people realize to stay at home, then you should do it. John also hopes to be back next week to talk about his experience um, caring for two parents who have COVID remotely. Um, yeah, it, uh, <laughs> it was uh, really bad. You know, I've known John's parents basically since seventh grade. They're just the sweetest, um, friendliest people. They were obviously a huge part of my um, adolescence and, um, you know, every time I'm in Chapel Hill, I usually run into them in some situation or another, um, they're a big part of my life. And um, it was really, really awful to hear that they had both contracted COVID and obviously then that they had to be separate from each other as they both went went through and are still going through a really scary health, health experience. Mm. So John hopefully will be back next week if all goes well with his parents. And I want to emphasize things are looking good. His mom uh, is at home in their house, and her oxygen levels seem to be improving. It was his dad who who had it, um, who had a harder time with it. Um, Mr. Kimball, that's a huge personal failing on your part, and I will never forgive you for your weakness. So John and his sister, you guys know John. Obviously, he was like, I got to figure out where they caught this. COVID. This is driving me crazy. In addition to everything else, he had to go into CSI Orange County mode and figure it out. John and his sister think they have cracked the case. They think they have solved the mystery of where his parents got COVID. His parents, I'm going to emphasize, have been really responsible. Social distancing, staying at home, wearing masks when they're outside. I think I will leave the story of how they got it to John. I will tell you, it has more twists and turns than M. Night Shyamalan's darkest imaginings, and it involves, um, pains me to say this, it involves 
a beloved grocery store chain of mine, which has made me reassess my relationship to this grocery store chain. Uh, Mm -hmm. But we'll leave that story for John to tell. Um, What I can do is read you guys a text that John sent me um, just to get all the facts straight in terms of what happened. Because I was a mess this weekend. I'm not, I was calling people and then I realized I was giving them all sorts of misinformation. I was, I was kind of sloppy about it. And it's important to be conscientious about this type of stuff. So people know what to, what to hope for, what to pray for. Like you were calling like everyone you knew just in general about COVID? No, Friday, Friday night, things were looking really bad for John's dad. I hope it's okay to say that. And I went on a bike ride aimlessly around, you know, where I feel safe around the Ferrari and Lamborghini dealerships of Beverly Hills, California, just to settle myself and get grounded and remind myself what's important. Mm -hmm. Then I got home and and had some whiskey. And then I called our high school buddy, Mike. And I was like, Mike, we have to call Mr. Kimball and just be on speakerphone and tell him we're thinking about him. Um, We said we would do that the next morning. And then the next morning, (laughs) recorded the Dicktown Watch Along Pajama Party with John Hodgman, where one of the characters in the show, Mr. Hunchman, is based on John Kimball's dad. So that was that was intense. And then John and his sister, you know, are spending all weekend coordinating like family phone calls and stuff like that to talk to their dad because there's grand there's grandkids involved. And when grandkids are involved, you've got to get those grandkids on the line. Mm-hmm. Eventually, I talked to John and John said, actually, my dad seems OK or he's getting better. I said, can we call him? He said, it's really hard for him to talk. But I told him you guys are thinking about him. Yeah, you got to save, Mr. Kimball has to save his strength to talk to the grandkids. Mr. Kimball doesn't want to want to talk to David Reese. He wants to talk to his grandchildren. And and again, these are the tough truths that are revealed during extreme health situations. John probably was being nice when he was like, yeah, it's hard for my dad to talk. John was more like, hey, um, dad, two of the guys from my secret high school band want to call you. Uh, Mr. Kimball's like, mm, I'm going to take a pass on that. Put my granddaughter <laughs> back on the line. That's, that's fine, Mr. Kimball. It's fine. All is forgiven. I understand. You weren't you weren't thinking clearly. I get it. I get mm-hmm. it. You had a lapse in judgment. Again, I will forgive you. All right. Here is the definitive history. Again, this all begins the week before Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving week. Dad came down with chills and a fever on Wednesday night before Thanksgiving. That was the night we were doing our Zoom potluck for our Patreon people. His dad started feeling sick. By Thursday morning, he had the classic dry cough. We had all planned to hold a brief outdoor Thanksgiving at my sister's house that afternoon. There were going to be six of us, and we canceled it. He says, I can't imagine what might have happened if my dad had still been asymptomatic. We might have all gotten it from him that day. We were very lucky. Claire, that's John's daughter, had been at my parents' house briefly on that Wednesday afternoon before my dad was symptomatic, but she was wearing a mask indoors and distance from my mom. Then Claire was with me on Thanksgiving morning, but we weren't wearing masks because we're obviously in the same pod. Claire and I both got tested and we started quarantining immediately. We're both negative. My mom and dad have been quarantining from each other, but by Tuesday, she was symptomatic and she tested positive soon afterwards. My dad was fine the first few days, but by Saturday, this is last Saturday, a week ago Saturday, His temperature was 102 and his oxygen was 97%. Anything below 95% is not great. On Sunday, a week ago yesterday, he was acting so confused 
and his temp was still 102. We took him to the emergency room, but they eventually sent him home. Monday and Tuesday, his fever never got lower than 101. And by Wednesday morning, his oxygen was at 92%. So we took him back to the ER. After 12 hours in the ER, they admitted him to the COVID unit at UNC. He was pretty out of it at this point from a fever, low oxygen, and he hadn't eaten all day. First few days in the hospital, they started him on, I never know how to say this word, remdesivir, remdesivir, a steroid, Mm -hmm. and they gave him an antibody plasma infusion. His oxygen still didn't improve, so they decided to move him to the ICU on Friday. That was day 10, and that's right on schedule for when severe cases go to the ICU. That was so he could get around-the-clock care and higher oxygen flow. Meanwhile, my mom was able to get a plasma transfusion at an outpatient clinic, which probably helped her. If only my dad had been able to get his plasma earlier, he might not have been hospitalized. We just don't know. My dad getting sick on Wednesday and Thursday of the Thanksgiving holiday was really bad timing. His primary care physician office was closed, so they had to do urgent care. And it wasn't really until Monday when everything opened back up that he started getting the info and treatment he needed. And by that time, he was too sick to do the outpatient plasma that my mom would get later. Right now, my dad is still in the ICU. He's doing all sorts of exercises, and they have him lying on his stomach to increase his oxygen level. He's no longer confused, and he sounds stronger now that he's eating and getting more air. The goal is to keep him from having to be intubated, which can cause a lot of damage and lead to other issues. It's possible he could leave the ICU in a matter of days if he keeps improving, but the doctor keeps reminding us that COVID is unpredictable. My mom is still at home. Her oxygen is good, but she has a fever and she's wiped out from the infection as well as trying to coordinate all the info about my dad. Can you imagine being sick with COVID and then you're trying to handle all the business about your spouse also having COVID? God damn. It's like trying to buy a car while you're in a car that's crashing. My mom is on day seven, which is usually the day most people get hospitalized. So we're feeling pretty good about her situation. Then he says, oh, any word on your parents' walking group? Did anyone else get sick? Yeah, because my dad leads a walking group, Saturday morning walking group at his retirement community, and they go on socially distanced walks with masks. They play it safe. You know they do. Somebody in that walking group tested positive for COVID. So now my parents had to get tested. They're negative. Everybody's negative. But cheapers, creepers, for fuck's sake. What a mess. Wow. Does that person know how they got it? I don't think so. That person was... Let me, let me school y'all on the Carol Woods retirement community admittance policy. <laughs> All right. To get into Carol Woods, one of Chapel Hill's premier retirement <laughs> communities, where my parents live and where Mike's parents live, where, where all the nerds of Chapel Hill live, <laughs> you have to apply, and then you're on a waiting list, and then you can get in. Now, if you've been accepted, it's like college. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> why don't we make entering a retirement community as traumatic as the most traumatic thing that teenagers go through when it comes to admissions? It's like college. You can get early admittance. <laughs> And if you have early admittance, then you're allowed to come on campus and eat in the cafeteria. Mm. So this lady who had COVID on the walking group, she didn't know it at the time, obviously. She was allowed to join my dad's very exclusive Saturday morning walking group. These guys are taking some of the sickest walks known to man in the Chapel Hill region. (laughs) So she rolled up to this walking group and she had COVID and she didn't know it yet. It's just like what would have happened if, God forbid... Mr. Kimball had had COVID, but was asymptomatic. So John's family had decided to go ahead with their outdoor socially distanced Thanksgiving. There's still a transmission risk there. I mean, they could have all had it. (sighs) 
So the, 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 the question that haunts me, mm-hmm. let's put aside the emotional exhaustion of this weekend. And everyone being on the phone calling, saying, what's going on with John's parents? Have you heard anything? Calling my parents, letting them know. Do they need anything? I'm not sure. I'll call John. Don't hear back from John. Assume the worst because he doesn't reply to my text in two seconds. The thing that is haunting me is, how did John Kimball's parents get COVID before Rudy Giuliani <laughs> got COVID? How, in what world, in what world is that happening? Yeah, this, it's not just. That Mr. and Mrs. Kimball, the most conscientious, they're not traveling all around the country doing a, a mucus tour of the United States. How did they <laughs> How did they get it before Rudy Giuliani? And it just shows you, man, like, this thing is everywhere. And you just yeah. don't know. You think yeah. you're being safe. And obviously, being safe makes a difference. If you know the Swiss cheese theory of transmission, every little barrier makes it trickier for COVID to get through. But good God. I mean, Giuliani didn't even have the barrier of his flesh. Like, he not his only doesn't wear a mask. Wide, his flesh is wide open. Yeah. He's got exposed gunk where his skin is supposed to be on a normal day. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it might be that COVID rolled up to Giuliani and looked at that face and was like, mm, not today. I'm going to come back on this one. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when the mail carrier shows up and there's a mad dog foaming at the mouth in front of the house. It's like, mm, I'm going to take a pass on today, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to catch up with you. You are going to get your delivery, Rudy. I am going to give you that special delivery because you've been craving it. Oh, yeah. But maybe I'm going to wait till the tar is stopped leaking out of the <laughs> side of your face. Um. So we should say that Rudy Giuliani has COVID, if you haven't heard that. John's parents were not the only people to get COVID in the last uh, couple weeks. They're they're now in his pod, I guess. Oh, my God. Mr. and Mrs. Kimball are now in a pod with Rudy Giuliani. What a sitcom, Starly. Add it to the election profit maker's (laughs) intellectual property vault. The odd odd thruple. Mr. and Mrs. Kimball and Rudy Giuliani, all in separate wings of a house, socially distancing— Trying to overturn an election in North Carolina, right? Get Cal Cunningham up in the mix. He can be. He can be their wacky neighbor. Hey guys, does anybody want to kiss and cuddle? Oh, Cal, go away. <laughs> <laughs> when you say your parents tested negative, is there enough days that have passed for them to know? I think they feel. I mean, they're obviously quarantining just to be extra safe mm-hmm. because my parents love to be extra safe. Yeah. If they could wear a seatbelt while they were watching television, they would. I shouldn't tease them about that. They've been very responsible their entire lives, and that's why they're in good health, even in their mid to late eighties. Yeah, they looked very healthy on the in, in the on the potluck episode. Yeah, my parents are not fucking around. My parents are not. They're not taking risks. But I'm saying, I'm saying it's so slippery. COVID so slippery. Like, wasn't there a point when Mrs. COVID? Oh my God, Mrs. Mrs. Kimball thought. <laughs> Nice rebrand, Starly. She's going to love that. (laughs) And and before everyone gets mad, you should know Starly and I sent Mrs. Kimball some flowers. So we can can give her a little bit of a loving tease. It's okay. We can give her, we sent her a nice bouquet from University Florist on Franklin Street. This whole episode is, I'm, everything I said on today's episode is, I'm talking directly to Mrs. Kimball. Ever since she sent that text saying that she listens to the show and enjoys it, I feel like every word out of my mouth from now on is directed at Mrs. Kimball. There's soul, there's a new soul sisterhood has been, has been Mm -hmm. struck up between Starly Kine and Marianne Kimball. Legendary. Yeah. She'll be hanging out in Chapel Hill in the future. That's right. Yeah. She said, maybe we liberal ladies can get together and hang out. <laughs> it was great. Sit around talk about John Kimball's eyes are going to be burning. Woo! He's going to think he has COVID in his eardrums. Beckett and John Kimball on one side, Mrs. Kimball and I on the other. <laughs> 
and me just taking notes for the pitch that we're going to send to Hollywood about these new relationships. Yeah. <laughs> but didn't she test negative at first and then symptoms? I can't showed? remember. Yeah. The testing thing is another one of these things after all this time. I still don't understand. You can be exposed to someone who has COVID and you're eventually going to have it, but you can test, you can get a false negative test. Yeah. Um, I've never met John's parents, but when I found out they had it, it definitely is when COVID hit home. I mean, John's the nicest guy. He obviously has the nicest parents. And COVID, the parents are in danger. The parents are the vulnerable ones, and we have to be responsible, and we have to be good because we don't want it coming for our parents. Yeah. Like, I, we're at the point in the pandemic, it's been so long. Here in California, we've been— we shut down the earliest, and it's now been since March. And everyone, you can feel getting lax. I have a neighbor who went to Hawaii for Thanksgiving. Epic. <laughs> yeah. And there was a neighbor. We have a neighbor text thread. A neighbor text thread fight ensued. Everyone agreed this, the neighbor who went to Hawaii shouldn't have gone to Hawaii, except for the neighbor who went to Hawaii. She, was, she did not agree with that. Of course, yeah, of course. But then one of the neighbors pointed out, you know, like that her parents said they're lucky because if they were to get it, they would have the means to be able to go to the hospital and get care. And I feel like, first of all, it sounds so traumatic going to the hospital. Like, you don't want to have to go to the COVID ward by yourself. It's of just, course it's, not. Alone in a room with a bunch of tubes and machines. Yeah. And nobody can hold you or touch you or— Squeeze your hand or anything? Yeah. Cal Cunningham's not allowed in. Maybe he's the exception. Um, I, I just feel like I'm just hearing everyone say, but there's this, but there's it. Like, I can feel that everyone thinks it's not that serious. Even the people who are going along with the rules aren't, are, are beginning to lose faith that it's as serious as we thought it was. But as soon as you hear about someone you know. Yeah, it totally changed my relationship to this entire catastrophe because, you know, over a quarter of a million people have died. And I could be really angry about that and really frustrated about that. And obviously, I guess in some sense, you know, kind of scared. I mean, I remember in the early days back in March, I, you know I was spraying down my groceries. Good God, I was, I was doing everything. Any YouTube video I saw, I was doing that stuff. Oh, stick my hands in boiling water for two hours? Okay, I'll do that. Spray down my cereal box, leave it outside for 72 hours, everything. You gave me a puzzle for my birthday and you like, sprayed it and kicked it over to me. And then we had to like treat it like a bomb. We couldn't touch it for like right. 48 hours. And don't solve the puzzle because if you solve the puzzle, the <laughs> COVID will be released from within. It's like Hellraiser. <laughs> so, I mean, I guess I was, I knew enough to be scared and, and angry and obviously enraged, frustrated. And the uncertainty has taken a toll upon my psyche as it is everyone else. Mm. But this, when I was biking around Friday night, having my spiritual journey among the Lamborghini dealerships. I couldn't even be angry about it. I was just like so sad. I was so heartbroken for John's whole family, not just for his parents, but for why does John have to deal with this? Worrying about two parents infected, one in the hospital, not knowing what's going to happen, making sure everybody has a chance to talk to them. Next day, I got some of that anger back because then you just multiply it. Obviously, now it's easier for me to do that imaginative leap of being like, this has happened, this this horror, you have to multiply it by hundreds of thousands of people. Yeah, I, I felt 
I felt I felt the anger. I mean, I hate to evoke the the mask, but this this shouldn't have happened. This should not be happening. The Pod Save America mask. Yeah. I came right up to the edge of endorsing the Pod Save America mask on my darkest hour on Friday night. And I was like, I will not bend. I will not break. <laughs> Some things are more important than the lives of my beloved. I will never endorse the Pod Save America mask. We didn't have to be this way. Hmm. Just kidding, Pod Save America. We love you. We can work on that collaboration you wanted to do with us at Biden's inauguration. Our DMs are open. Yeah. Add it to the list. The stage play. You know— the irony, I've been thinking about a lot about this, and it is a coincidence that it happened over Thanksgiving weekend with John's parents because this was obviously the holiday when lots of people were traveling and you would see footage of airports and, be, and I mean, what can you do? Just, it's just like, these airports are looking too crowded, man. Come on. Everyone's spreading it all over every which way, you know? So I'm going to say this. Kid Midas, staying local for Christmas, no doubt. The decision was made months ago, but this whole experience with the Kimballs just reinforced it. You can send all Christmas presents to Kid Midas directly in California because he is not traveling to North Carolina this year. Or Hawaii. I even ruled out a Hawaiian Christmas. <laughs> and nothing pleases me more than jaunting off to Hawaii for a Christmas. <laughs> to, to a place where you are not from and no one in your family is from. Right. My neighbor is not from Hawaii, to be clear. So your neighbor went to Hawaii Pure vacation. It wasn't to solve a crime or to donate a million dollars to a children's hospital. No, it was just the trip had been planned. That's the thing. So, People hate to cancel those trips. Yeah. Another neighbor did cancel their trip. Another, my other neighbors had their three-year, like, anniversary trip that they've been saving up three years for to go to Japan. And they wow, canceled that really? trip. And they, lost, and they lost money. Yeah. What? They, no one should lose money on it. Come on. Yes. But that was the battle was— the neighbor who had canceled and sacrificed versus— Well, good for them the for canceling their trip. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're like the most—they they, they are serving the community on a daily basis, those neighbors. But what was interesting was that the phrasing of this text message was, I know I'm an asshole, but we were really safe, um, and we took every precaution. And the I know I'm an asshole part was— that's, so that we would say, no, no, no. That's a little cringeworthy. It, and when we didn't is when is when the fight happened. Right. And that's the problem is that, like, people want to do what they want to do. Obviously. It would be fun to go to Hawaii. And they don't want to be shamed for it. And I don't know, I don't know what the tactic should be because shaming doesn't work, but you also, like— we kind of have to. There was an op-ed in the in the New York Times, major um, metropolitan daily here in the United States, and somebody from, I can't remember if it was an epidemiologist or just a public health person was saying, you can't mm -hmm. shame people for traveling over the holidays because then they associate the getting tested with admitting to something shameful and that messes up the testing. And we all know that it doesn't work to yell and berate people. And I guess that makes sense. I mean, if you really are following the model of harm reduction. It's like whatever it takes to reduce the number of cases. If shaming doesn't work, then stop doing it. Because if your goal, if your ostensible goal for shaming people is to reduce COVID, whereas for me, it's like, yeah, there's that too, but also it makes me feel better if I can dunk on other people. That's a whole, that's a whole other disease we can talk about later. But that's the main reason. 
that's the reason you do it. And then you justify it by saying— It's, it's my trip to Hawaii. It's yeah. my trip to Hawaii. <laughs> I know I'm an asshole, but I got to take your ass to Hawaii real quick for this trip. This is on same airlines flight 666 in coach. I'm going to be judging you within an inch of your life, all you people running around creation. And these are the same people who—all oh, right, here it comes. Wheels have, have, have lifted up. These are the same people who ever since March have been like, we really need some leadership in this country. We really need some leadership. Trump is not being a leader about COVID. It's like, okay, well, the CDC did exercise some leadership. They said, um, don't travel for the holidays. <laughs> and you people are still traveling. So do you really want the leadership? Right. And I really do feel like the subtext is, yeah, but that's for those idiots. That That's for so that these dummies don't travel. I know what I'm doing. I've got my mask. I've got my hand sanitizer. I've got Pod Save America on repeat on my iPhone. <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, the thing about John's parents is when you hear how they got it, it's like <laughs> the best laid plan. Let me coin a phrase. The best laid plans of mice and men come to shit when it comes to COVID. Healthy, safe, risk-averse behavior obviously makes it harder for you to get it. Yeah. But good God, COVID is so ready to tear your ass up. When I was like a kid, if a movie had um, someone die after like a rescue has happened, there'll be all this like peril and then they'll, they'll come and save everyone and if someone still dies. It makes me, it used to make me feel so upset. Still uh -huh. does. It's like the genre. Do you know what I'm talking about? It happens in, it was a movie called Blue Lagoon when I was little that I would watch with Bruce Shields. You saw and they, that? Like, yeah, that was like I know it's weird. It was so sexy, but I didn't know that. I had no idea. I thought it was just about two kids on an island, um, and then they like get rescued, and then they end up dying in this boat as they're getting rescued, and it would drive me so crazy. I couldn't handle it. And the vaccine is literally about to be released. The rescue is in sight, mm -hmm. and so why why not? We should just have to make it. I mean, I spent the last two weeks. Actually, you, maybe you can shame me about this. Okay. I knew this, I was going to hunker down for these holidays. It's going to be a long, dark winter. I said, I need to keep myself occupied. I'm going to bike around to all the local thrift shops and buy any broken tape recorder I can find just so I can <laughs> occupy myself for the next two months. So I was going into, you know, I was going into Goodwills and stuff and getting tape recorders and stuff like that. And, you know, obviously I was masked and everyone in the store was masked. I went into one store where a guy wasn't masked. He was a customer? Yeah, he was a customer. And they let him in? I don't know. He must have worn it at the door and then taken it off. And, and knowing what I know now, I should have just turned and walked the fuck out. But instead I was like, mm. this is actually a big store. This guy is far away from me. I'll just avoid that aisle until he's through. Knowing what I know now, mm-mm. So there's this grocery store that I that I like to go to called Trader Joe's because it's the one time in my life these days where I'm around more than like two people. And so I like to go there multiple times a week to remind myself like, oh, I live in a society. Mm -hmm. But I went last night and loaded up because I really am going to try to reduce my outside time. And also we're in lockdown. I mean, we are officially literally in lockdown now here in California, in L.A. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, shout out to the Orange County Sheriff said he won't enforce it. My, my. Those are your Starly's people, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know what to say. You know, I had a friend text me, a very dear friend, and said, hey, do you want to come visit us for Christmas? I was like, mm, I appreciate that, but no, my butt is staying on this sofa. I'm getting caught up on my shows. I'm trying to fix these tape recorders. 
I'll send Christmas cards and Zoom with whoever wants it, but no, I'm not traveling. Nobody has to worry about old Dave. He's going to be locked down with these tape recorders. How many did you get? Well, I got one. I got this great old reel-to-reel dictaphone tape recorder, and then it and then it was in perfect working condition. The one time in my life I wanted one of these things to actually be fucking broken, this thing was in flaw in its original box. No battery corrosion. Tape still on the reels. Somebody dictating some weird book about the Cold War in multiple languages. It's like the most Cold War thing I've ever owned. Perfect condition. Can you break it? Yeah. <laughs> Can yeah. that be your project? <laughs> I smashed it, and then now I'm rebuilding it. <laughs> and then a listener very kindly donated a Marantz PMD-201, one of those legendary recorders from the 80s and 90s that audio journalists used to use. Probably a lot like the stuff you used to use. Uh, my very first radio story that I did on my own, I used a Marantz tape recorder that I ordered from eBay because This American Life used Marantz. So I ordered the same one, went out, got all of my tape. Nothing was recorded because it was a broken tape recorder. You've got to check these tape recorders, Starly. I'm telling you. You could have fixed it. I don't think I'm ready for this tape recorder yet because the things that are wrong with it are things I've never encountered. I opened it up yesterday. I was in, in investigating the circuit board. Didn't find any blown capacitors. Didn't find any broken traces. So what I have done, a little holiday reading, of course. The two classics are A Child's Christmas in Wales. And then the other classic is A Visual Guide to Tape Recorder Repair, which is a book that was published in the 70s. And I found a copy on thriftbooks.com. And I've ordered that so I can really walk myself through this tape recorder stuff. Wow. Yeah. So don't worry about me. You're not going to see me at your holiday party. You're not going to see me in Hawaii. And you're not going to see me on a plane either. I'm going to be sitting at home with my tape recorders and my movies. I don't think, I don't, I worry that's not enough tape recorders, though. We have to get you some more tape recorders to get you through the winter. Well, I also have some other projects I'm working on, to be perfectly honest. I bought an eight-track mixer to try to <laughs> expand the ambitions of my of my noise drone uh, solo music project that I've been working on. So you guys will have that to look forward to once the vaccine hits. They're going to have to create a vaccine for these amazing soundscapes that I've been creating during quarantine. Oh, good. Um. Oh, when I was biking around on Friday night, I was just having all these memories of Mr. Kimball. I do want to acknowledge that in spite of him being a wonderful man, completely sincere, completely friendly, with the most beautiful Piedmont, North Carolina accent I've ever heard, I did remember that Mr. Kimball actually (laughs) trolled me, triggered me harder than anyone ever has. We must have been in high school, and I can't remember who was in the car, John and me and maybe Mike or Aaron. I don't know why we were in Mr. Kimball's car. We might, maybe we've gone to church together at United Methodist on Franklin Street, or maybe we were going to a street fair or something. Um, Mr. Kimball was driving what I remember in my mind as a, as a Buick. And <laughs> this is, <laughs> you know, this is like one of those things. When I started remembering stuff about Mr. Kimball, I was kind of like, I kind of see where John gets some of his personality from, the data. Just the cold, hard, like, trust the data, right? That's kind of John's attitude. Rolling Stone had just come out with a list of the 500 greatest albums ever recorded. And I took issue with the list because, and this is going to be really hard for people to wrap their minds around, I used to be kind of an unbearable music snob and a brat in high school. And I can't remember what the number one album on the list back then was in Rolling Stone. It was probably Sgt. Pepper's Magical Lonely Man's Band by the Beatles. And I was in the backseat talking about it, ranting and railing, because I had a captive audience in the back of a Buick, which is the best place for me to be. 
And I said, this list is ridiculous. Rolling Stone has no integrity. The best album of all time is Double Nickels on the Dime by the Minutemen. Everybody knows it. Corporate media, blah, blah, blah. I was in fine fettle that Sunday morning. And Mr. Kimball was like, David. <laughs> he said, David, that, that's not the right answer. The greatest album of all time is Thriller by Michael Jackson. I was like, what? No, it's not. He was like, yeah, it sold more copies than any other record. That means it's the greatest record. <laughs> oh my God. I, almost threw, I was almost like Lady Bird. I almost threw myself out of the moving vehicle. I couldn't, I was so angry. And I know looking back on it, oh, he was like, I'm going to trigger this little fella. <laughs> I'm going to trigger this guy. He was like, it just makes sense. If it's the, the most people would buy the greatest record, Thriller is the record the most people bought. That means it's the greatest record. Oh, my God. That's amazing. That's amazing. And again, in the spirit of the holidays and in celebration of Mr. Kimball feeling better, I forgive you for that terrific lapse in judgment, Mr. Kimball, but goodness gracious. I mean, it is a good record. I'm not going to lie. It, thriller is pretty incredible, but it's no double nickels on the dime. Turning to election news, Joe Biden's lead continues to grow. Predicted, however, is still in a shadow version of our reality. The Georgia market is back to being underwater again. Unbelievable. Which party will win in Georgia in 2020? Um, I'm down in so many markets, and I think that is because as reality moves in one direction, the direction of objective truth, predicted is stuck in denial I have a feeling, based on some comments I've read, Lord forgive me, John's not around right now, so I have to be reading these comments on Predicted. Mm. It's because a lot of people are pulling their money out now that the election is over, and that leaves a higher percentage of the shares held by these entrenched MAGA people who think that any day now, even though I believe Georgia has recertified Joe Biden as the winner— that any day now the actual Kraken will be released. Like this, that's where we're at. We're at, we're at. we have to keep recertifying too. It's probably because Trump people. had that amazing rally in Georgia for um, uh, Leffler and Purdue, the upcoming Senate race. Early voting for that begins next week. And um, maybe he was getting people in Georgia fired up to overturn this election. I mean, I think the thing that would make them mostly fired up, though, for that election is not showing up to your debate in an empty podium. Don't you think that's yeah, a more that was, effective <laughs> strategy for getting people enthusiastic for your candidate? John Ossoff is, if he wins, I'm going to be stoked because Purdue is punking out like it's pretty, pretty breathtaking uh, uh, punk moves by Purdue. Was Purdue at the rally? Oh, yeah. They both got like two seconds of spotlight before Trump turned it back to him. Trump would, you know what Trump would not be great at is playing in a jazz combo where you really have to share the spotlight with the other members of your band. Trump would probably be the worst <laughs> jazz bassist of all time. That's my bass-specific prediction as to how. Oh, and then Trump was talking about how he's the only person who likes cucumbers. Excuse me? Did you guys see this quote? Trump bragging about how much he loves cucumbers so much. I was like, Trump has never eaten a cucumber. And then our former producer, Anna, texted and said, he probably considers pickles on hamburgers as cucumbers. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense. He probably does love cucumbers. Also, that, I think that was him working out new material. That was very off the cuff. Oh, my God. Remember in the 90s when alt comedy was huge and alt comedy meant that comedians would show up with a pad of paper and just mumble through jokes yeah. they had written down and be like, okay, that one didn't work. How about this one? Um, something about going to uh, the DMV and the line not working. 
that's like Trump being like, I'm the only one who likes cucumbers. Uh, no? Okay, mark that through. Move it. <laughs> yeah. Did, is Rudy... Rudy himself hasn't... Trump is the one who told us that Giuliani has COVID. Trump, Trump announced it via tweet. It was a... <laughs> It was a really wild tweet. I mean, I have to say that one thing about Trump is he really likes to give Rudy Giuliani compliments. It was something like, I'm majorly announcing that Rudy Giuliani, the best mayor in New York history and the man struggling to save the democracy and stop the phony rigged election has COVID. Get well, Rudy. We all love you and are thinking about you. You champion. <laughs> I mean, Rudy Giuliani, this is what I'm saying. This is, There's no logic to this virus. I mean, there is. We shouldn't be like, it's magic. There's nothing you can do. I don't mean to say that. But when you think about Rudy Giuliani getting paid $20,000 a month to travel around the nation's hotel lobbies and spin crazy baseless fantasies about voter fraud while, meanwhile, wiping his own sweat and snot all over his face and farting so loud that it gets picked up on the room mics. It's like this. It's like the craziest OnlyFans account of all time. $20,000 a month he's getting paid to do all this perverted stuff with mucus in his own body. And then getting mad when people sitting right beside him won't take off their mask to speak into the microphone. They should call him Rudy Gigi Alleny. Zing for my Gigi Allen fans. Mm -hmm. Spread the filth. Contaminate everybody. Rudy Giuliani. He was the last one, though. We kept texting each other, when is Rudy going to get it? How does Rudy not have it? Does he secretly have it? He must have had it. He'll never have it. What do you mean secretly? He's what do you mean secretly? <laughs> he overtly had it. He was it. <laughs> I mean, there was just no— He wasn't hiding anything. I mean, that's why I don't know if we know the timeline of when he got it. Because it seems to me that he has had it— Like six years. I've actually yeah, had this yeah. thing since 2014. <laughs> I'm, we're learning to, I'm learning to live with it. I'm learning to live with it. Then some guy on Twitter was like, some um, New York Times reporter was like, I, I'm really disappointed in everybody making fun of Rudy Giuliani having COVID. COVID is a horrible disease. We shouldn't tease anybody for having it. And listen, I get that now, especially after this last weekend with John's parents. Yeah. But come on, man. I was thinking about it yesterday. It, it, I heard Giuliani got it. I actually texted you and John. And then a second later, I was like, oh, it's different now texting these announcements about our enemies having this this virus. Um, but it with Giuliani, if news of you getting a deadly virus causes people to immediately react with laughter uh -huh. and joy, that's, it says more about Giuliani than us. I mean— it really is incredible how much he's been traveling around with no mask on and giving speeches in the middle of the pandemic. In order to take down democracy. Right. In the service oh, that's the of other taking thing. down democracy. He's not traveling around giving news conferences about how there's a new breakthrough in, like, education funding or something. He's also, like, trying to have people overturn a democratic election. I kind of feel like he's a bad guy in this narrative. <laughs> you know, Rudy Giuliani, America's mayor, Tower of Strength, Times Person of the Year. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. I'm going to spring this on you, Starly. I want to do a couple listener emails we got. Is that all right? Yeah. We have to have some semblance of normalcy, even after the disruptive events. Do I have to be John yep. and answer Skyline questions? Okay, here we go. <laughs> Dear Starly, I'm looking at the margin of victory markets and wondering about <laughs> negative risk when it comes to uh, the legislature in South Dakota. <laughs> cool, cool. No, here we go. When we were in the thick of the ban wars, somebody did a missed connections ban. Someone just 
cast this intention out into the band wars saying, hey, I'm just sitting here looking for love or whatever. We got a response. I'm going to leave this person's name anonymous for now, just to err on the side of caution. This person writes, I went back and listened to Kevin's Missed Connection band, and I am intrigued. I am lonely and single and looking for my election profit maker's romance. However, we need more information about Kevin. He sounds wonderful, but how old is this man? And what are his values? Where does he live? I need to know before I get attached. How do I connect with Kevin? She asks. I'm a 23-year-old stone-cold feminist who enjoys reading, television, sleeping, cooking, and EPM listening. I live in Pennsylvania outside of Philly. Please help with this inquiry about Kevin. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Election Profit Matchmakers. I'm a little worried. <laughs> Should Is this a huge mistake? I'm a little worried because she's so young. I'm a little worried. Why don't we do this? We're going to crowdsource this. Kevin, tell me a little bit more about yourself. Send me any, if you're interested. Now, Kevin might may have since found love and he might be on a Zoom honeymoon as we speak. But Kevin, if you are still single and looking to mingle, tell us a little bit more about yourself. And then email us at contact at electionprofitmakers.com if you think it's a good idea for us to give Kevin's information to this person who is interested in an election profit makers love connection. I, I went through a phase of terrific matchmaking when I was an undergraduate in college. And, I, and I'm happy to say that I was responsible for one relationship that lasted not two, but three years. But I'm worried that my qualifications as the neighborhood podcast Yenta I might not be up to this. I've never, I've never attempted this virtually. We just wish everybody the best. Let's just leave it at that. We're the only podcast that dares to wish all its listeners the very best this holiday season and forever afterwards. We got another email here from Rick. Now, I've been saving this one, and I want to go hard on this one. As some of you know, Election Profit Makers has some wonderful designs on the website TeePublic. We have a cucumber-based design. We have a helicopter Charlotte Skyline-based design, and we have a Band Wars-based design. These are available as T-shirts, tote bags, and even, yes, COVID masks, beating Pod Save America at their own game. John Kimball, Long John Silver, was kind enough when he had more free time to create about 200 custom Bitly links that would all redirect to this TeePublic web store. Who can forget the immortal Bitly link bit.ly slash EPM style? Now we get an email from Rick, who says, after hearing that I was banned from the podcast during the ban wars, I decided to go buy one of your election profit makers hoodies that announces this to the world. I used bit.ly slash EPM store as my link. And to my surprise, I was redirected to something called Eternal Perspective Ministries store. You see, this guy was trying to remember a Bitly link that he assumed would redirect to our store because John Kimball created 10,000 Bitly links. And this one, bit.ly slash EPM store, actually doesn't work because it's already been claimed by Eternal Perspective Ministries. He goes on to say, I went to epm.org. This second-rate EPM sells books on God by New York Times bestselling author Randy Alcorn. Randy seems like a nice enough person, but I decided to even the score by creating the following bit.ly link. <laughs> Again, Charlie, <laughs> I think we're already in uh, over our heads. He created, he <laughs> oh, legal exposure, come and get it. So he created the bit.ly link bit.ly slash Randy Alcorn, 
which now redirects to our Tee Public store where you can buy these wonderful hoodies, tote bags, and T-shirts. But not only that, listen to this. Rick says, until December 31st, 2020, I will donate $10 for every person who uses that link, bit.ly slash Randy Alcorn, and then I'll donate the final amount to a charity of EPM's choosing, Hail Satan and Calvin Coolidge's Raccoon. Wow. Okay. Guys, here's the situation. We have these wonderful designs. Many, many people have availed themselves of the American Cucumbers Are Bountiful t-shirt or the Helicopter Tony hoodie or the I've Been Banned From Listening To My Favorite Podcast tote bag. But we are going to end these designs availability at the end of the year. That means you have until December 31st to buy one of these, buy one or more. These are wonderful Christmas gifts. For Pete's sake, you should buy them for everyone in your household. But if you're going to do it, we beg you, use the bit.ly link, bit.ly slash Randy Alcorn, A-L-C-O-R-N, and Rick will donate $10 per click. This is reverse pay per click. I love this innovation. And I thank <laughs> Rick for his generosity. So let's 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 bankrupt this motherfucker. For Pete's sake, go buy, go buy your EPM gear until December 31st, bit.ly slash R-A-N-D-Y-A-L-C-O-R-N. Let's put Rick in the poorhouse, and then we'll donate the money to a good charity that we decide upon. Thank you, Rick. And then we'll have new designs. Oh, yeah. And then we're going to have new designs. We have to figure out if there's enough popular demand for a John Kimball and his little mouse friend. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a significant enough part of EPM lore to warrant a design? John Kimball <laughs> putting a mouse in a cooking pot and walking it over to Central Park and then covering it in leaves because it was shivering. Oh, John, we miss you, buddy. Oh, John. Yeah. Wow. COVID health crises really make you acutely aware of not being around people that you want to be close to. Mm -hmm. I want to, uh, um, this is a um, half listener letter and half a correction. I'm not above correcting myself when I've spoken in error. Last week, I think I said, you can't be pardoned for crimes that have not yet been committed or that you've not yet been indicted for. That obviously was incorrect. I got over my skis. I hit the slopes. I had a little too much enthusiasm. You can, in fact, be preemptively pardoned for federal crimes. So that does mean that even if Trump preemptively pardons Giuliani and himself. And his whole family. And his whole, oh, that's right. Best Christmas present ever. Because that's how he ever. found out. No sooner had, had the words, you can't be preemptively pardoned, left your lips, that we hit stop on our recording <laughs> devices, <laughs> logged on to the news, and splashed across <laughs> Every paper. Trump pre considers preemptively pardoning all children. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll eat crow on that. That's fine. Now, how does this how does this affect my position in all these related portfolios on predicted? You know, I love these positions. Will Giuliani face charges by December 31st? Will Trump self-pardon in his first term? Will Trump complete his first term? Will Trump resign in his first? Oh my God, that's up. Ooh. Really? How much? Whoa. Will Trump resign in his first term is up $3. This is my wow. biggest, this is my biggest gamble unpredicted right now. I will get so freaking, pay oh wait, no, actually Giuliani facing charges by December 31st would be a more insane return. Probably not going to happen, but I love to, I, love, I have to do a little bit of heart wishing during these trying times. I did a lot. I did a lot of heart wishing for John's parents this week. Oh yeah, absolutely. Jesus, predict it. Where are these markets on John's parents, and when we can see them again? Good God, predicted doesn't seen as dead. Unpredicted as always. 
Predicted is like the club that we go to every weekend and we're kind of like, yeah, the scene is kind of dead. So I'll meet you back here next Friday night. Yeah, I got nothing else. That's <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 our it's all of our apartments. Uh huh. Yeah, the scene's kind of dead, but I can't really see myself going anywhere else. So I guess <laughs> I'll buy more shares in Pete Buttigieg not being in the cabinet by March first. Which, by the way, is in the red. What this dude is never going to be in a cabinet by March first. But again, I think a lot of these cabinet positions, these cabinet markets are also infected with MAGA money because I think they're assuming that they will either retain the White House or that Republicans will refuse to appoint any of these people to the cabinet. So for instance, I be- I, I made a bet on what I thought was a fairly safe bet. I've talked about this before, that Dr. Ben Carson would not be the Secretary of Housing and Urban Development on March 1st. I'm currently underwater in that market. There's no safe bet in Trump's America. In Trump's... In Trump's- and yeah, in Trump, well, in Trump's predicted, Trump is definitely still the president of some people on predicted. <laughs> if predicted had electoral college votes, Trump would be in a slightly better position than he's in right now. And if Trump doesn't start his major news network after he leaves, you know, he's planning now to leave the White House on Inauguration Day and a grand helicopter send off. Oh, helicopter Tony is going to be so pissed about that. And he's going to hold a counter inauguration and then I guess announce all these new ventures. Really what I, really what he should do is um, get on Predicted and talk to everybody in the comments and just be the king of the Predicted <laughs> comments section. That's a pretty that's a pretty sweet <laughs> throne to sit in. Uh, Joe Biden nom- is going to nominate um, the Attorney General of California, uh, Xavier, how do you say his name? Becara? To be the next... Um, Health and Human Services Secretary. I saw that, yep. Which I feel like is a good indication that Garcetti is not going to get Transportation Secretary. Ooh, talk me through your logic there. Can't have more than one L.A. person in the cabinet? Yeah, yeah. And also, uh, Becara, I'm sure I'm saying his last name wrong, um, is Latino. Um, yep. And so they don't— ha- he wouldn't feel obligated to nominate Garcetti for that. Not that it's always an obligation, but in Garcetti's case, I feel like it kind of would be. And the California part. We can't have a, just a whole cabinet full of people from California. No, and we already have Kamala in there. Kamala Harris from California. So to me, this is a good indication that Garcetti is not going to get anything. And do you know people out here in, in California, there have been nightly protests in front of the mayor's house to oppose him being appointed to the cabinet. They don't want to let him escape to Washington, D.C. They want him to quarantine. They want to keep him quarantined in that house. Yeah, that's right. For his entire term. I didn't realize that he got a fifth year as mayor because they, like, moved dates around, basically. Very weird. Oh, really? Like, it's supposed to be a four-year term, but then things got changed, so then it added another year just to his term. I had no idea. Yeah, isn't that weird? Yeah. The other thing I wanted to say is um, there was a listener who wrote to me on Twitter. Uh-huh. Because I tweeted, eat the rich one night. Whoa. Oh, my. <laughs> look at Whoa. All right. Motorhead um, over here. <laughs> there was a reason for it. But um, there was a listener who wrote to me on Twitter. His name is Elijah B. He banned Joe Kennedy from our podcast. Oh. In, one, in the band one anyway, Elijah Senate is, candidate Joe, Can- Joe Kennedy of Massachusetts. Yes. And it turns out it's because Elijah uh, volunteered for Ed Marquis, worked for Ed Marquis somehow. Elijah's 15. So— Damn, Elijah, 15? Maybe we have more We have more younger listeners than just Beckett out there. We all know there might be a whole youth army out there. Elijah, he's 15. He listened. He donated. He banned. Beckett? Beckett? 
Step up your game, son. Okay, we all love your analyses. Oh, one thing that, another thing that happened in the past week, I was so distracted with John's parents, I forgot to mention that according to Beckett's father, Beckett has bought a third <laughs> computer monitor for his work at home situation. His fucking fake ass Bloomberg terminal now has a third monitor so that he can play three dimensional chess on all his centrist conquests. Oh, John would love to be here for that. But Beckett, it's one thing to be a pundit, to sit on the sidelines and analyze everything. Your boy Elijah out here is putting in the work. Elijah, 15-year-old, bringing down a, one of America's biggest political dynasties. The, the Kennedy clan find themselves in ruins as Ed Markey succeeds in winning another term as Massachusetts senator, thanks in part to the hard work of young Elijah. Yeah. And I would say to Elijah, um, if you have access to a credit card, please remember that your parents <laughs> would love nothing more than you to surf over to bit.ly slash Randy Alcorn, buy up all these hot election profit makers designs that will be gone at the end of the year. Thank you, Elijah. Don't do some of that good old fashioned feel good, liberal consumer activism. That's what we need right now from everybody. Elijah, it's nice to work hard and get the people you elect, you know, the people whose values you support elected, but don't forget the most profound act of activism is spending money on products that are branded by left-wing podcasts that you support, bit.ly slash Randy Alcorn. Elijah even says, I asked him if he knew Beckett because he's a young person. I assume all young people know each other. And he said he does not. <laughs> but he sure, if he did, he sure he could turn him away from centrism. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> the plot thickens. Oh, what a merry <laughs> stew we shall sup upon this, this evening. Imagine. <laughs> A head-to-head -head debate between election profit makers, radical leftist, the 15-year-old Elijah, and then the old centrist soul of Joe Biden's number one stand, Beckett. This could be the at this could be, this is like um William F. Buckley Jr. debating uh what's his name, <laughs> where he said, I'm gonna knock you over and you'll stay plastered, or whatever those two goofballs were yelling at each other at the convention. Oh, Beckett. I know Beckett is sitting in his office with all three <laughs> monitors just fuming. Livid. You know, the monitors are blank, so we're seeing the reflection of his face from three different angles like he's in a changing room at Macy's. And all we see is that grimace, that rage. Beckett's thunder being stolen by a 15-year-old leftist. Beckett. Oh, boy, Beckett. I'm going to pray for you also. I'm going to add you to my prayer list. Teen wars are coming. The band wars are done. The teen wars are next. <laughs> So if all goes according to plan, and we really do think it will, and we hope it will, John's parents will be on the road to recovery by this time next week, and John will be back in the Election Profit Makers recording studio to share some of his impressions of this really difficult last couple weeks. But again, let it serve as a reminder for those of us who are getting really impatient and frustrated and frankly depressed with where we're at right now in terms of quarantining and staying safe. And my hands are more crackly than ever this morning. Good God. Please keep John in your thoughts. Keep his uh, family in your thoughts. And um, hopefully the positive trajectory will continue. And our beloved Long John Silver will be back with us next week. Keep them in your thoughts, both by sending them good thoughts and. Keep them in your thoughts by not going to Hawaii for Thanksgiving. <laughs> right. Just remember his parents. That you know that you know you love his parents. He's it's, it's John Kimball's parents. So just any time that you're wondering if this is worth it, if it's how serious is this, 
just think of them. It'll it'll be worth it to hear Mr. Kimball triggering David again the next time they're riding in a Buick. Mr. Kimball is dropping all that data <laughs> on snotty little too cool for school David Reese Kid Midas. Oh my God, Kid Midas was turned into a lump of lead at Mr. Kimball's hands when he dropped all that knowledge about how the best-selling <laughs> album is axiomatically the be- the greatest album because it sold the most copies. Oh, Mr. Kimball, I love you and I miss you. Election Profit Makers is a Radio Point production with executive producers Alex Bach, Richard Corson, and Daniel Powell. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash electionprofitmakers. Send your election prediction questions or advice or maybe uh, missed connections to contact at electionprofitmakers.com. We'll figure that out if we're actually going to become a dating service. (laughs) I'm going to say this. There is still a lot of dumb money unpredicted and people are cashing out, which means a lot of markets that had reached their limits, you might now have a chance to get your foot in the door in some of these amazing markets. Um, All these states that have- John would be happy that you told people that it's Yeah, yeah. This is for John. John was like, I need you to tell them two things. Tell them to keep my parents in their thoughts and tell them that this is a great opportunity now to get some dumb money on Predicted. So I'm going to do that. You're a good friend. Go to predicted.org promo slash EPM20 to receive up to $20 in matching funds. Get them on some of this action because there still is action to be had on Predicted. And of course, you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. That actually is important. You guys should do that. I feel like we always downplay that part. That's probably the most helpful. If thing. you take away one, if you take away one thing from this special, <laughs> unusual episode of Election Profit Makers, it should be this: Please rate and review us on iTunes and Stitcher and Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. That's really what this episode is about. It's an issue that's very close to our heart. Rate and review end this podcast. And uh, nobody go to Hawaii. Stay the fuck away from Hawaii for now. Unless you're in listening to us from Hawaii, then you can stay, th- stay there. Oh, man, I wish someone would listen to us from Hawaii. I wish, some, I wish we would <laughs> get a listener in Hawaii. I would feel so good about that. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. We're thinking of you, John. I miss you, John. 